The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ went about in this way when Mary, his mother, was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to expose her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Fear not, Joseph, son of David, to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived within her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke, he did as the angel had commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she'd given birth to a son. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Matthew to record these words of scripture, and we believe these words not only had power in the day that Matthew wrote them, but these words have power this day because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Father, send your Holy Spirit afresh upon your people. Open this word for us. Open our ears that we may be changed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. God's coming into your life will change the world around you. God's coming into your life and into my life and into the life of any person will end up changing the world around us. See, in this story in Matthew 1, if you've got your Bibles, your iPhones with you, the angel announces to Joseph that God is about to come into his life. This is a story of God moving in, moving into Joseph's life, moving into Mary's life, and the same can be said of him moving into your life and into my life. Joseph's life will never be the same after this moment and the world around Joseph will be transformed because God has entered into Joseph's life. It's the whole reason why, or at least the, the, the founding principle behind our Praying with the Saints podcast, which we've been doing throughout this whole season of pandemic, and yet we've made the decision, we're just gonna keep doing it. Because this Praying with the Saints podcast, where we do this evening prayer podcast with a story from a saint over the last 2,000 years. The whole purpose of it is to remind us that these saints are simply ordinary believers. 
that God empowered to impact their generation with the gospel. And we tell those stories because God is still in the business of empowering ordinary saints today. When God comes into a person's life, the world will be changed around that person. Why? Because as we see in this story from Matthew 1, God comes into our lives wildly. He comes in with wild abandon. He comes in and transforms us. But not only does he come in wildly, when God comes into a life, he comes in wildly and it's according to his own will. He comes because he chooses to come into our lives. But not only does he come wildly and according to his own will, but when God comes into our lives wildly according to his own will, he does it to be with us. He does it to be near us, with us in all that we face. And this is how the world will change around us. See, first, when God comes into a life, we see in Joseph's story here and in ours, God comes in wildly. Joseph immediately hears from the angel that he's going to have no control over this one who's coming into his life. I mean, hear that story. He's being told he's going to be a father, but this child coming to him, he's got no control over. And we see that right in the naming of Jesus. In verse 21, the angel says, you shall call his name Jesus. And you need to stop there and realize that for a Jewish father, one of the most prized rights was that he got to name his sons. The Jewish father gets to name the sons. They don't come preloaded with names. You, you get to name your son because in one sense, a name in the Bible indicates authority whose authority you're under. I'm naming you like Adam in Genesis 2, naming the animals to demonstrate authority. The father names the son. And also naming in the Bible has to do with purpose and hopes and dreams. And so fathers would lay on their sons names that would bring about the hopes and dreams of what they would be. This one, Abram, the father of many. This one, Samuel, God hears Names contain not only the authority, but also a sense of trajectory, a sense of a father endowing that son with purpose and meaning. But this child comes with a name already. Joseph doesn't get to name him. Of course he doesn't get to name him. Joseph can't name a child he'll have no authority over. This is the one whose name, as Philippians 2 will tell us, Every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. This child comes and the father has no authority. Isn't it amazing that a side note though, that even so Jesus chooses in his humility to become obedient to his earthly parents. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing picture of the incarnation. Joseph has no authority over him. He can't name him and yet Jesus will choose to become obedient even to these earthly parents. But he comes preloaded with a name because Joseph has no authority. And let's be clear, Joseph can't speak his hopes and dreams over this child. Joseph has no idea what's going to happen with this kid. I mean, he's got some idea. 
He knows that there's going to be some shame associated with a birth that's by the Holy Spirit, verse 19. He knows there's going to be some shame. He knows there's going to be some hardship. He's expecting some pretty incredible things to happen. But can he imagine in this moment what will be of this child, what his life will be like because of this child? Does he know that there's a census coming that will cause them, as Mary's almost about to give birth, to cross the nation? That they're going to give birth in a manger? That there will be shepherds coming to worship? That the magi will come from the east to worship? That Herod, the king, is going to try and murder his son? He's going to have to flee to Egypt and then come back? And once he's back, they bring Jesus to the temple when he's 12 years of age and they lose the son of God in the temple. Joseph has no idea what this coming of God is going to mean in his life. Of course, he can't name him. And neither can we. We can't tell Jesus who he's going to be in our lives. We can't tell this child who comes into our lives, here's what I need you to be for me. He comes wildly with his own agenda. And it's more than we could ask or imagine. Verse 21 says of this name Jesus, which literally means God saves or God to the rescue. He's called this because he'll save people from their sins. Which means this child is going to come wildly to overthrow everything within us. Everything wrong within us is going to correct and transform us. There is not a single part of our lives that this, the coming of this child is not going to impact and affect wildly. It's probably the reason why I love the depiction of Aslan as the Jesus figure in C.S. Lewis's Narnia Chronicles. As Mr. Beaver describing the Jesus figure, Aslan, the lion, he says to the children from our world, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan says, oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, Mr. Beaver said. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. His agenda, his purposes, his wild reason for coming into your life and my life is untamable and is going to transform us in ways that may even be unwelcomed at first. I can't believe, just don't put it on Facebook. I can't believe that I canceled the St. Nicholas Outdoor Festival today because of cold weather. I mean, don't put it on Facebook because every Canadian friend I have left is going to mock me for years to come. This isn't cold by Canadian centers, but here's the thing. I don't think I'm that Canadian anymore. I... I I'm freezing cold like the rest of you. Something has changed. Something has been transformed in me. But in all seriousness, almost five years ago, God did this wild thing of bringing me and my family here. It turned everything upside down in our lives. But I wouldn't trade any of it. This is the wild 
purposes of God. It's, it's why in Thessalonica, when the, the disciples are preaching there in Acts 17, the accusation from the mob to these disciples preaching the gospel is these men have turned the world upside down because that's exactly what happens when God comes in wildly into a person's life. Everything gets turned upside down for his wild good purposes. As Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, Paul says, glory to God whose power working in in us can do infinitely more than we could ask or even imagine. That's the wild entrance of this God into our lives. But God comes into our lives wildly according to his will. He, He chooses to come. We didn't ask for it. We didn't seek him out. We certainly didn't earn it. I love how in this virgin birth story, we're told in verse 18 that before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And and you hear the point in that is that Joseph has no active role in the coming of this child into the world. They, They didn't have any marital union. Joseph had nothing to do with this. The child comes not because of his action, but because of God's action. The Holy Spirit alone brings this child into his life. Matthew's going to make this point again and again. Verse 20, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, and Joseph knew her not until she'd given birth. This is a picture of what the Holy Spirit does every time God enters a life. It is his will, his decision to break into our hardened lives, to break into our deadened hearts and to make us come alive so the Savior can enter in. It's why we make such a big deal about the creed. See, it's not just as we affirm in the creed the doctrine of the virgin birth saying, clearly this is the son of God, right? We're affirming the incarnation, God's miraculous action in bringing the son into the world. But when you and I confess the virgin birth every week, we're also confessing the fact that the virgin birth is teaching us that God is the sole initiator and sole actor in how we get born as well. We get born again because he conceives something in us of his own will. As Dale Bruner says, he says, when Jesus Christ comes to anyone in history, even in his advent coming to Mary and Joseph, it is always the work of the spirit, not of human preparation or enterprise. Every conversion is a virgin birth. Every conversion is a virgin birth. What God has won in us, what God has placed in us, what God alone has done in us because he chose to do so. As 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must come 
and take a dead person, a dead heart, and bring them to life for God to enter in. God comes into our lives, not because we earned it, not because we sought it, but according to his own will. Those words from Ephesians chapter four, think if I was ever gonna tattoo a whole passage of scripture on my arms, don't get nervous, I'm not going to. I would probably choose this passage. Ephesians chapter two, talking about how we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That was our status before God entered in. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Verse four of Ephesians two, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. As C.S. Lewis writes, God does not love us because we're lovable. He loves us because he is love. God comes into our lives wildly and according to his Sovereign, gracious will. He chose you. He chose to break through so that he could be with us. God comes into our lives wildly according to his own will to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means. 800 years before this moment, the prophet Isaiah, as we're told in verse 22, had spoken, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's it's the same words or the same concept that John unpacks in that Christmas text from John chapter one, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson in his translation, the message says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. But the difficulty is we get so familiar with this idea of God with us. It's it's the amazing downside of 2,000 years of gospel preaching is we're just so used to it. We hear it walking through the supermarket that God is coming among us at this time of year, starting, I don't know, whenever they start the Christmas carols around April or something. But we hear it again and again. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, we are so accustomed to the idea of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us, that the almighty God draw near, draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. And that's why the angel has to tell Joseph in verse 20, fear not, don't be afraid. 
That's why the angel has to tell Zechariah in Luke chapter one, verse 13, about the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of this child, fear not. That's why the angel has to tell Mary at the Annunciation, fear not. And that's why the angel has to tell the shepherds in the field that evening of the birth, fear not. We won't fully understand until we get to the end of the gospel story why we don't need to fear at God's coming among us. But when the child is 33 years of age, as he comes to the Passover, he becomes the Passover lamb for us. That wild purpose he came to save us is accomplished as he bears our sins in the cross, as he dies the death we should have died, after living the life we should have lived, and is raised from the dead, and then where does Matthew leave us at that resurrection? What are the final words from this child at the end of this story? And lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Chapter one, God is with us. Chapter 28, now we understand how without fear we can behold his coming among us, with us. You see what this does in our world? What it does in our world is it changes our world around us because it enables us to live in a different kind of way. You see, so often as we embrace the pain or we see the pain of our world, as we see the darkness, as we see the uncertainty, as we look at all of what 2020 has brought us, then we can despair and seek to run away from the pain to find God in some special shrine upon a hill, in some other place. We want to get out of the world in order to find the God we need, but instead we find our God right in the middle of our pain, We can stand in our world of pain knowing that God is with us. God's coming into your life will change your life and the world around you. He comes into our lives wildly according to his gracious sovereign will to be with us. I know I've told the story many times, but I'm realizing as a growing church with new members all the time, some of my old stories are new stories for some of you. But I'll never forget, and I still, as those of you who heard me tell the story again, you know what story I'm going to tell. For seven years, our second oldest, in and out of children's hospitals, she was so good at getting IVs that we worried that she was going to put those pediatric IV teams out of business because she didn't fight. She still hates getting shots today, but IVs she's fine with because she had so many as a little child. She just put out her arm 
Without any fuss, they put the IV in. And she would see me, obviously, concerned, middle of the night, daddy looking over. And I'll never forget the moment when my seven-year-old daughter, clearly being catechized in the gospel, looked at me and said, Daddy, it's going to be okay. I know that God is with me. This is how a broken, painful world gets fixed. Not because we've done something, but because God wildly, according to his will, comes to be with us. This is the gospel. This is what the world needs. This is what we are about. Oh, how I love to tell the story. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.